Well, I have to admit to you this morning, I have this kind of strange uh, hobby or interest that uh, I love maps. And I think maybe I've told you this before. There are times that uh, when I'm around the house and don't have anything else to do, I'll just go get the atlas and I'll sit and dream about places or trips that I'd like to take. Now, probably what's even stranger than that is I have this secret job that I'd love to do someday when I'm too old to do this anymore. I want to be the trip tick guy at AAA. You know, when you go in there and you're going to take a trip and they put together that, that book of maps for you and they mark all the things on it, I, I want to be the guy at AAA that puts those together. I, I just think that would be a really cool job. And so when I don't do this anymore, that's where you'll be able to find me. AAA, okay? Putting trip ticks together. I don't know. You know, all that comes excuse me, out of this uh, love that I have to travel. I, I love to travel. I love to go to places that I've never been. I love to see new things. I love to experience uh, new things. I, I love to travel. But I also enjoy the journey. I love taking the trip to get there. I enjoy the drive in the car. I enjoy the flight. Now, you know, a lot of journey can have their own challenges, can't they? And, uh, and we probably all have our own stories about challenges that we've experienced on different journeys that we've taken. Uh, we probably all have stories about cars that have broken down and we've been stranded alongside the road. Uh, probably a lot of you maybe have uh, stories, uh, I, this has never happened to me, but stories where you've gotten lost. I mean, I've been disoriented a few times, but never lost. I mean, come on, you know. Uh, maybe uh, the kids fighting in the back seat or uh, mom and dad having a little disagreement in the front seat. Uh, Peg and I have had several times uh, in our life where we have uh, driven well into the night because we couldn't find a vacancy in a hotel and we just had to keep on going. We've uh, stayed in some really bad hotels along the way. Uh, we've driven through really bad weather at times. Uh, you know, but there's still joy in the journey, isn't there? Do you ever think that life is a journey? Whereas Rascal Flatts sings, life is a highway that we're on. You know, our temptation with the life, uh, the journey of life is that we seem to focus all of our attention on reaching the destination successfully. And a lot of times we miss out on the journey. Now, I know life's journey has its own challenges too. There are breakdowns along the way and we get lost sometimes. And there are relational fights and there are housing issues and there are the storms of finances and sickness and the list goes on and on. But there is a good thing in the journey. Now, have you ever thought about this? I know God is ultimately concerned about our destination on the journey. But did you ever consider that He is equally concerned about the journey itself? I mean, ultimately, God wants us to end up in heaven. He's gone to great lengths to make that possible but did you ever consider that He also wants to fill our journey, our life with joy and fulfillment? And even better yet, that maybe He wants to join us on our journey? Now, I think about some of the trips that I have taken along the way in life, the really good trips. And there are some common denominators among those trips, some common threads that run through all of them. You know, for instance, a really good trip usually means that I have really clear directions, that I know exactly where I'm going, I know how to get there. Another thing that makes for a great journey is having a, a great travel companion, somebody that, that you have great conversation with along the way. Another thing that makes for a great journey is not being in a hurry, being able to stop and rest along the way. Another thing that makes for a great journey is when I pack light, 
I, I don't haul along a bunch of stuff that I don't really need. And you know what? Those same principles also apply to our journey in life. There are these common threads that run through a good journey in life. Some habits and tools that God talks about in the Bible. And it is these habits and tools that I want to focus on for the next five weeks as we explore our journey in life. Here's the first tool that I want us to talk about. Maybe it's exemplified in this. Uh, it's a GPS. How many of you have one of these in your car or own one of these? Yeah, several of you. Well, I, I don't own one of these. I borrowed this from some really good friends. And uh, so Friday night, uh, Michael and Peg and I, we drove up to uh, Northport to the Mariner football game. And so we played around with it a little bit. And it's cool. If you, if you don't have one, you know, you just punch the address of where you're going in there and uh, give it a second. It does its little thing. And then you push the button go and it, it tells you how to get there. It tells you, you know, drive on this road for 2.2 miles. And as you get close to the first turn, it says, turn right in 0.5 miles. And then when you get to the point, turn right and takes you down the next road. It really is amazing to me, the technology in this little thing and that it can get me there. But you know what's even better than this? What would be even better than this to me would be having someone who sits in the seat beside me, who's been there before, who knows how to get there, and they can direct me themselves. You know what? That's exactly what God wants to do for us on our journey in life. He wants to direct us on the right path. And the instrument that He's chosen to do that with the most is the Bible. I guess you could say in a way, the Bible is God's GPS. It is God's positioning system. Now, I noticed something about using the GPS Friday night as I was uh, traveling along. It immediately struck me that this little piece of equipment is not nearly as smart as I am. That I think I know better. This thing would give me some directions, and upon hearing those directions, I'd think, ah, that doesn't sound right. I'm going to go my way. I also realized, you know, I think if I owned one of these, there'd be a lot of times that I'd just leave it turned off. In fact, I'd, I'd probably be like uh, the people that I borrowed it from. At least one of them had no idea where this was located in their car. It was tucked away somewhere. And I think that's probably how I'd treat it too. Unfortunately, that's exactly how a lot of us have treated the Bible. We think we're a little bit smarter. That we know a little bit more. We read something in the Bible and we think to ourselves, that doesn't sound right. I think I'll do it my way. We... A lot of you probably haven't cracked open your Bible for weeks or months if you're honest about it. Any place besides here. In fact, if some of you are really honest, you'd have to admit this morning you're not really even sure where your Bible is. And yet God has said that's the instrument that I've chosen to help guide you on your journey. So my goal over the next two weeks is very simple. Very simple, very straightforward. Here's my goal for the first two weeks of this series. I want to try to get you to read your Bible. That's it. I want to try to get you to read your Bible on a regular basis. Because I understand, and God tells us clearly, there is tremendous value and power in His book to guide us on our journey through life. And so my goal is simply to try to get you to read your Bible. We're going to look at a passage today in Psalm 119. And this passage that we're going to look at today King David extols the value of the Bible. And I want to encourage you, 
uh, to open your Bible and study with us as we go through this. Now, Psalm 119 is very easy to find. In most Bibles, if you just open your Bible to the very middle, you'll find the book of Psalms. If you have a whole bunch of study things in the back, it may not work exactly, but in most Bibles, right in the middle is Psalm 119. And I really want to ask you to do something throughout this series and really well on into the future of Crosspoint. And I have said this several times, but I want to say it again today. I want to really encourage you to please bring your Bibles to church with you and study with me from your Bible. Now, if you're here today and you're thinking, I don't have a Bible, Jeff, as you leave this morning, there are some tables at the exits. There are Bibles on those tables. And I want to encourage you to pick one of those up, take it with you. It's our gift. Put your name in it. It's your Bible. And then I want to encourage you to bring it back next week. Now, I know immediately some of you say, well, why should I do that? You put the words up on the screen all the time. We put the words up on the screen all the time for people who may come to Crosspoint, and we have lots of these people, and I'm thrilled that they come, who don't have a Bible, maybe, or who really aren't comfortable using their Bible, and it's convenient for them. But here's the thing. When you come next week, and you see the words up on the screen, I want you to immediately think, you know what, those words aren't for me. Because I was here last week, and he told me to bring my Bible, and I picked up a Bible if I didn't have one. Now I've got a Bible. So those words are for other people who are here for the first time, but I'm supposed to read from my Bible. Okay? And every time you see the words up there, that's what I want you to think. Those aren't for me. Those are for the new people at Crosspoint. And that's not you anymore. Okay? Now, some of you, when I say I want you to read your Bible every day, you have a couple of things that you immediately protest. Some of you say it's hard. It's reading the Bible is hard. It's difficult to understand. Well, can I lovingly say to you, well, then don't do anything that's ever hard in life. You know what's hard? I'll tell you what's hard. Hard is making a decision when you're 20 that haunts you until you're 40. Hard is making a bad judgment that follows you in the next decade of your life. Hard is making a bad choice about who you marry. Hard is making a bad choice about how you operate in that marriage relationship. Hard is making poor financial decisions. Hard is not doing well with your children. Those are hard things. But really, how difficult is it to pick up a book that contains some ancient literature and read it every day. It's not that difficult. Some of you then would also protest and say, but I'm not sure I really believe all this stuff in that book. Let me ask you, when you go home today and look around your house at all the pieces of literature that you have there, the newspaper would be a great example, Time Magazine maybe, or some other stack of magazines, other books on your shelf. How many of those books were you absolutely convinced that you believed everything in them before you ever picked them up and read them? Since when is the litmus test that I am going, that I have to believe everything in something before I will ever pick it up and read it? You see, we don't apply that to anything else, it seems. So could I encourage you? Just try it. Try reading the Bible, even if you think, I'm not sure I believe it, because I think you'll be amazed at what you discover in that book. Well, let's look at Psalm 119 today. We're not going to read all 176 verses. You can relax about that. We're only going to look at seven or eight of them. And let me just kind of give you the background on what's here. Psalm 119 was written, as I said, by King David as he was ruling over the nation of Israel. He was an incredibly powerful and prosperous king. And as he writes in this book, he writes about the value of the Bible for our lives and guiding us on our journey. 
Now realize, at the time that David wrote Psalm 119, only the first seven books of the Bible had been written. So he isn't writing about, he doesn't have all of the Bible that he's writing about. He's writing about just the first seven books. And those first seven books weren't written like the day before he writes Psalm 119. They had been written hundreds of years before his birth. And so David is writing and saying there is great value in this literature that is very old. And sometimes we're tempted to say, well, you know, that book's so old. Is it really relevant? David says, absolutely it is. And remember, he only had the first seven books. And if you've read them, you know they're probably not the most exciting books in the Bible. And yet David says there is incredible value in this book for my life. So here's what David says. Psalm 119, we're going to jump in about verse 97 and look at the seven or eight verses here. David says, oh, how I love your law. Oh, how I, I love this book. Oh, how I love your words, God. Oh, how I love it. Now, doesn't that seem a bit interesting that David uses that kind of language? Oh, how I love it. I mean, he's not at Coldstone ordering ice cream. He's talking about the Bible and he says, I love it. Then he says this, I meditate on it all day long. When I read that, it makes me stop and ask a question. What is it that I think about all day long? And how does what I think about impact what I do all day long? Because when we all agree that what we think about has influence on what we do, David says, this book, the words of it, saturate my mind. I take it with me everywhere I go. This book is what influences my thinking and what I do. And he says this in verse 99. Your commands make me wiser than my enemies. Now, how is it that it makes us wiser? Well, David's perspective here, I think what he's trying to get at, it makes us wiser in that it gives us a clear perspective on how God sees the world. Remember, God is the one who created the world. And as we read this book, we begin to see the world not through just our eyes, but we see it through God's eyes. And we grow to have this wise understanding of what God says really works in life and what doesn't work. You know, there are two teachers in life. One teacher is wisdom. The other teacher is consequences. And I'm sure you've experienced it in life, but when you rely upon the teacher called consequences, it is very expensive for us. David says it would be much better to choose to learn from wisdom, specifically God's wisdom. He says and when we learn from wisdom, we can avoid the pain and the suffering that come from learning through consequences. Have you ever thought about this? Is it possible that God knows what gray clouds are going to loom over your life next month? That God already knows what you're going to struggle with next month? And is it possible that God would like to give you some wisdom to be able to deal with whatever's coming next month? And is it possible that through the Bible, through His Word, God could deposit in your heart today Wisdom that would bear fruit next month when you are dealing with the clouds that hang over your life. David says there is wisdom in this book. 
my wife, Peg, um, put together this and I, I think that she borrowed it from somebody else. Not that she's not capable of putting this together all by herself, but I think in this case she borrowed it from somebody else. It says, uh, it's called emergency phone number. She passed this out recently to all of her Kid Point team members. And uh, it says like this, when in sorrow, call John 14. When you worry, call Matthew 6. And it's a whole list of things that we sometimes experience in life. And for every one of them, there is an answer in the Bible. Now, I didn't think ahead enough today to have copies of this for you. We'll do that for next week if you want to pick one of these up. But I think it's just a clear reminder for us. David says there is wisdom, God's wisdom, in this book and it can guide our lives. Then he says this in the second part of verse 99. He says, for I, or verse 98, for they are ever with me. They are ever with me. He says, I have so saturated my mind with portions of this book that when I have to make difficult decisions, that when I have to make important judgments, that every day of my life, this book is with me. It's always there. Verse 99, he says, I have more insight than all of my teachers. I think that would be His human teachers. For I meditate on your statues. Now, I think the insight that He's talking about here is the kind of thinking that a person has. Have you ever been with somebody who has that ability to see the big picture? There's some kind of circumstances going on and something's going on in life and they have this ability to kind of pull back and see the big picture. That They can see all of the dots and they can connect them. They can put all the pieces together. And I think that's the kind of insight that David's talking about. He says, when I put this book into my life, I'm able to have that insight. I'm able to, to pull back and see life the way that God does. The Bible, I see the big picture. Verse 100, I have more understanding than the elders, for I obey your precepts. He says, this book makes me wise beyond my years. And it is not an earthly wisdom. It's nothing that I do to get it. It's simply this book applied to my life makes me wise beyond my years. And he points out this principle. He points out the principle that understanding often follows obedience. You know, we're tempted at times to say, well, I don't understand, so I'm not going to do what God says. David points out the principle that I ought to do what God says and as I practice obedience, then I will begin to understand. Understanding does not necessarily come before I obey. It often comes after I do what God says. Verse 101 says this, I have kept my feet from every evil path so that I might obey Your Word. I have not departed from your laws, for you yourself have taught me. David says, when I open this book and I reflect on what is written here, that I I feel as if God is personally teaching me. Have you ever experienced that? It has happened many times in my life. That I am struggling, wondering, questioning things. And as I personally read this book, it's as if God shows up in the midst of reading it and personally teaches me. The answer jumps right off the page of this book. It's as if God is personally teaching me. You know, our tendency a lot of times is to pray and ask God to do things for me. What if God wants to say something to me? 
what if for God it's more important at times that He say something to me than that it than it is that He does something for me? And what if His primary way of communicating with us is through the Bible? David says, that's how I see it. That's my perspective and that's why I love this book. Verse 103, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. I gain understanding from your precepts, therefore I hate every wrong path. David says this book changes the way I view the world. This book changes my worldview. It helps me to see the world as God sees it. It helps me to clearly understand the difference between right and wrong and to choose the path that leads to doing what is right on my journey. And then look at verse 105. This is a, If you grew up in the church, this verse is very familiar to you. You probably grew up singing songs with these words. He says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. He says it's a lamp to your feet. It's, it's your guide to the journey that you are on. And do you realize this? This is extraordinarily personal. This isn't just a, a book of difficult theology. This is a personal book that is intended to guide you on your personal journey through life. When we were in uh, Bulgaria this summer, towards the end of our trip, we stayed a couple of days in a small village uh, where we were doing some debriefing. And uh, out in the courtyard in front of our hotel, there was this statue. And then you can't see in the picture here, but up on the hillside was a giant church. And there were all these steps that led up this huge hill to this church. And so uh, one night as the sun was about to set, uh, Michael and I and some other team members, we decided we're going to go up those steps and, and see the village from there. And so we climbed up all of these steps, and it was a long way up there for somebody my age. And um, so we got up to the top of the steps. We stayed there while the sun set, and it grew dark, and you could see the lights of the village and the, mountain, the shadows of the mountains behind, and it was just a gorgeous scene. Well, after we'd been up there for a while, we decided it's time to go back down. And as we started back down, I realized there are some lights along the way, but there are some awfully dark places. And Michael and the other 20-something team members all just took off. I guess they had no trouble seeing, but at 40-something, I had a little trouble seeing in the darkness. And so I'm walking down a lot of the steps going, where's the next step, you know, and where's the step after that? And I thought as I was going down those steps, boy, you know, a flashlight would be really handy right about now. It would be really nice to have a little bit of light to see where the next step is so that I could walk safely down and I could picture myself tumbling down all of those steps and breaking something in Bulgaria. And Anyway, you know what? Sometimes I walk through life and it seems dark. And I'm not sure exactly where am I supposed to step next. You know what God has said? He said to us, here's a flashlight. And the flashlight is my book. It's the Bible. And it will light your path. It will help you to know where to walk safely on this journey through life. God says, I don't want you to go blindly through this life. I want to be your guide. I want to sit in the seat beside you and guide you on this journey. And one of the ways I'm going to do that is by giving you the Bible. And so I would say to you this morning, read your Bible. 
Why not give it a try? And just go home this week and decide, I am going to read my Bible, whether it's for two or three or four or five minutes. I am going to read this book and let it light my path on the journey. In fact, I've got an exercise I want to invite you to do for the next two weeks. If you notice on the little travel log that you have in there, that cardstock where maybe you were already taking some notes, I hope, um, it says on one side of that, read Psalm 119. And I want to challenge you, invite you over the next two weeks to read through Psalm 119. Now, it's a long chapter, and you're not probably going to want to read it all in one setting, but just if you'd read a few verses a day over the next two weeks, you could work your way all the way through that psalm. And I took just a few minutes a couple of mornings ago to read through that psalm, and very quickly I just went through and jotted down all of the benefits that David talks about that happen in my life when I read the Bible. I jotted down over 20 things just very quickly. David says, here are things that happen, benefits to us personally, if we will take the time to read the Bible. So just read it. Read the Bible. God, thank You for Your book. Thank You, God, for the difference it has made in my life. God, I I pray for every person gathered here, especially, God, for those who that's not a part of their life right now. God, You would... You'd prompt them this week. In fact, God, I just really boldly want to ask You that You would just do something in their heart. You'd get a hold of their heart and hold on to it in such a way that they just cannot say no until they begin to try to live out this habit in their life of reading the Bible every day. And God, I thank You for what I know that You will do in their life as they begin to explore Your book and the way that You will illuminate the path for them. Thank You, God, for what You'll do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.